welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. Uh, I'm Kaya Green. And I'm Stephanie Miller. And today we are talking about the movie that made leather dusters an acceptable form of clothing for years and years following it. The movie that made both red pills and blue pills impossible to not make a reference about. The one and only The, the Matrix. The Matrix. The Matrix. Uh, Steph. The Matrix. What do you what do you know about it? What do I know about The Matrix? Okay, I saw it back when it first came out, and that's it. That's all I know about that's, The Matrix. That's, it's I mean, really basic. Do it's, you, as somebody who doesn't remember movies, uh, <laughs> it, which is a great quality, uh, do you remember anything? About okay, the Matrix? so I remember that there's a, a guy. His name is Neo. Mm-hmm. He knows kung fu. He uh, is asleep in The Matrix. He wakes up. He's the one. Uh, he meets a sexy lady, and then they go in, and they're trying to, like, deal with an agent who is Elrond. And Wait, sorry, just an agent, like, Smith. he's trying to get agent films? Smith. Or, okay. Look, there's a bad guy, Agent Smith, and he is in the Matrix trying to catch them, and then they do some cool, like, moves with the bullets over them. Steph, and just a, re- a reminder, this is a podcast. Okay, so my arms are <laughs> flailing backwards, and I'm doing a really cool backbend. Uh, obviously. And what was the sound again? Pew, 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 okay, pew, pew. yeah, go on. Uh, and then um, they choose to stay out of the Matrix and just keep fighting. That's all I remember. Okay, okay. I think I think that's as good a summary as we could possibly hope for. Kaya, what do you know about the Matrix? <laughs> um, what do I know about the Matrix? Okay, I know that the Matrix is uh, by the Wachowski sisters, um, uh, and they it was their sort of first big breakout film, if I'm not uh, incorrect, um, and it also sort of started a whole sort of new action sci-fi genre that was that took a lot from the sort of like Asian cinema of the time doing things like wire foo and slow motion and what you're looking at me I'm and laughing, just laughing because you know so much and I know nothing <laughs> um, yeah and it, it was it, it basically is sort of an allegory uh, for I mean a lot of people say a lot of things but you know Plato's cave or uh, reality being uh, you keep staring <laughs> at me you like, talk so <laughs> smart <laughs> um yeah, so that those are roughly the things I know, but you know who knows um, more is about our, this? Is our wonderful guest. So I'm, I get to introduce our awesome guest here. So Ashley Cooper is a video game writer who's worked on uh, Canadian screen, screen award-winning Later Daters, RuPaul Dra- RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar, you got this. and the hotly anticipated Gotham Knights. She's currently hard at work as senior writer on the long-awaited Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2. So please welcome Ashley Cooper. I'm so mad at your summary. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been angrier in my entire life. No. <laughs> Please don't walk away. We we what very clearly start. need you. <laughs> we, without you, we're, we are lost. Please also, help us. Also, hi. <laughs> hi. Welcome, welcome. Ashley, welcome. Sorry we upset you, but we're very appreciative that you're here. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into our very first question. So imagine just somebody knows nothing about the Matrix. Just a Just random somebody, person. Anybody uh, in this room. Anyone in this room <laughs> listening right now. Uh, how would you hook them into the Matrix? What's your Matrix sales pitch? Oh, fuck. I've, I don't know if I've ever had to give a Matrix sales pitch because it's such like a, like an all-encompassing like film presence. Right. Like it's such a, a 
juggernaut in pop culture. It's such a, a reference point. It would be, ha- be like having to pitch somebody Star Wars. Right, like yeah. the, thought like of somebody, like. the thought of somebody not having like a good grasp on the plot of the I've Matrix. I've seen it. <laughs> I know that they go in a place and there's... Uh, don't bother. You okay. just... <laughs> What a unique trait of the Matrix that there are people that go to a place. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fair burn, and I earned that. (laughs) All right, so please Um, tell us. I would say, um, so like, what, like a pitch of like, this is why you should see the movie. This is yeah, essentially, you want someone. You're trying to get someone uh, excited about seeing the Matrix who somehow hasn't. It is the best sci-fi action film of the 20th century. Beautiful. Okay, yeah, you really don't, you can't really beat that. That's no. a pretty glowing review. That's, <laughs> that's, that's. And I, I have stood by that since the day that I saw it. Like, I've seen, I've basically, probably annually, maybe a little more frequently, uh, rewatched the entire trilogy. It's my favorite film series of all time. Um, and every time I watch it, I stand in awe at how perfectly executed the first film is. The entire third act is just this escalating series of set pieces and fight sequences that not just are awesome and build on each other as individual fight sequences, but each are narratively important. And if you pulled any moment out of any of them, it would not work. Like it is a it is a masterclass in action as narrative. And it blows me away every time, and I'm just like, how the fuck? Like, it's it still impresses me after having seen it dozens of times. I love that. Wow. Oh, okay. I love that. Uh, now I'm the biggest fan of The Matrix when you describe it that way. <laughs> um, how could you not be? Uh, if, you, if somebody hadn't seen The Matrix, what's the general premise? Basically, the general premise of The Matrix is the concept that the world that we live in today is actually a simulation and that we are all... Uh, being used as batteries for a machine race that basically decimated the human race in a big war some untold years ago. And that basically we've, we've been living a lie, essentially. And this world that we're living in is a computer program, and we're basically just being fed intravenously in like a little pod somewhere. Um, and it's about a story, it's a story about a group of revolutionaries who have broken out of those confines and are trying to basically take down the entire system. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's I verbatim stole Steph's pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I'm shameless, and I will do it again. We will just hold it against you probably for a while. Um, so what's your origin story with The Matrix? When did you see it? Did you see it, like... I saw it opening weekend. What? That's awesome. I've seen all three of them, like, opening night, basically. Wow, that's kind of like remember, an iconic film thing. Oh, my God. I remember seeing the trailer for The Matrix. And so the thing that's really interesting about The Matrix is because it, it reaches this intersection of so many different things at the time. Because it came out in 1999, and if you remember, like, that period, just in general for, like, pop culture was super exciting because it was just at the point that the internet was kind of becoming a really common uh, household thing. Right. Like, it w- we were still mostly in, like, the world of 56K modems and stuff like that, but people, it was starting to become a lot more common for an average household to have the internet at home. Yeah, and, like, hackers and, was a thing at the time, too. Yeah. Like, there was a, this pop culture, it was subculture. It was percolating, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so The Matrix is actually the first film that had kind of an internet-first marketing campaign. 
Whoa, really? Uh, the, their website, whatisthematrix.com, was heavily marketed in all the trailers and stuff like that. At the end of the trailers, you'll see like www.whatisthematrix.com. What? Because they built the Matrix up to be this mysterious what the fuck did I just see kind of thing and you would go to this website and it was like really like well built out and like really advanced for the time and it really kind of just got you really excited about it in a way that like most studio films were not really making use of the internet yet and so I was a very in early internet kid um, like I was the kid that was like helping teachers set up the computer labs at school. I was, I was that nerd. Yes. Um, and so like, I was like, I've been extremely online as long as extremely online was a possibility. Right. Um, and so like, I was like on the, I was on the website. I was like watching, like I was so thrilled by the trailers and I was like, I need to know what this thing is. Right. Like I am so excited. I, because like, the the whoosh 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 the bullet time mm -hmm. technology that they built for the film was heavily featured in the trailers and the advertising of and course. stuff huge selling because point. it had never been done before it was brand new technology yep. and so when you saw that shit happen in the trailer you were like I literally don't know what I'm in for yeah when I sit down to watch this yeah thing. and even like at that age that was exciting. Ugh. Like just the idea that like it was something new that I'd never seen before and had no idea what to expect was just enough to like perk me up. Like just like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah. Um, and so I went like opening night and I remember leaving the theater and just being like, you can just do anything. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like it was one, it was one of those moments where like, and I still have this periodically, uh, like as a creative person, you kind of, I think you get into these moments periodically where you're like, there's a rhyme and reason to everything. Sure. And there's like, you know, prototypical building blocks of a narrative. And I, you kind of have a sense of what the DNA of things is. And then every once in a while you'll see something that is so above and beyond what you ever considered possible that you're like, it's things have changed now. Like I can, I can track my life from like before this thing happened to after this thing happened. And I can track the very specific change in like my perception of things. Before yeah. matrix. The world is yeah. Different. And yes. the matrix is one of those uh, moments for me. Oh, um, cool. So yeah. Awesome. Cool. That's I love so that. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about a little, since you, you, uh, touched on it, sort of the aesthetic of the matrix. Cause I feel like it's such an iconic part of the story. Um, Absolutely. Um, and like those visual effects, um, were such a huge part of, I mean, as, as you said, the, but also the costuming of it, the way that they chose to style people too, is so uh, iconic and I think started a huge trend among people as well of just like the Matrix look with those tiny sunglasses. Yeah, I mean you can coat. see it I think in a lot of films after that like the I think Blade came after that uh, that was definitely part of it and like even even going forward into like Buffy and stuff the, the like leather and the long coats yeah. like that was just an aesthetic but anyway um, yeah what what would like what's what's so iconic about it? What I think it's the simplicity, honestly. Yeah? Like, the thing, because it is iconic, and I think when you look at most, like, when you look at most aesthetics that you would describe as iconic throughout, 
like, we'll just, for simplicity's sake, we'll say throughout film history. Okay. They're very easy to, they're very easy to recognize from a distance. They're very simple, traditionally. Right. And the thing of just like jet black coat, jet black boots, jet black everything, six sunglasses, it reads immediately. It's true, You're yeah. You're like, oh, that's the Matrix. Easiest Slick Halloween costume. Easiest Halloween wet. costume. And like even the agents, they're like simple buttoned up suits, very sharp looking, cool glasses. Like very clean, very immediately readable. Um, and like the aesthetic of that that world was so iconic in the moment and took off so like unbelievably that like they did a line of official Matrix sunglasses. They did? <laughs> they did. I didn't know that. They 100% oh my gosh. did. Oh my gosh. And I love merch. And uh, Steph, you're a heretic, so you haven't seen the movie in a while. Uh, but <laughs> do you remember the phone? No. Okay. Not so at all. In the the Matrix, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Kaya. I, I do. Yeah. You do remember? Okay. So there's this really interesting looking phone, and when you answer, no. Oh. <laughs> I looked it. I looked it up, and Steph it's just, just a Nokia eight one one zero. Steph the just tried to look it up and showed me a picture of like a normal flip phone, and no, but this is. I don't know if we can be friends after oh this. You God. just keep earning strikes through this entire conversation. Steph is nose diving her way through the Matrix. <laughs> look, this was a high end device with such cool features as a monochrome graphic LCD and a price tag of a thousand dollars. This is a cool phone. This is this is not the cool phone. Oh, <laughs> I failed the Matrix. So uh, two strikes. Steph. So there's this really, there's this really interesting iconic phone in the in the film where basically, because uh, at the time it was either like a normal candy bar phone uh, with a, a tiny screen at the top and a keypad at the bottom, or it was like a flip phone, which once opened basically had the exact same aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, and in the Matrix, there was this phone. It was just the screen at the top and like kind of like a plain body. But then when you wanted to dial, you would click a, a button on the side. And the the cover would slide open. No, that's what that phone is. Um, that's that phone. Steph, let and, the phone go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like this really cool phone did not exist. Mm. It was made specifically for the movie as a prop. Cool. But people wanted it so bad that Nokia actually made it. Yeah. Sick. That's ridiculous. So like the the style of that movie was so iconic that the stuff that they specifically made for the film became real world products. Oh, I love um, that. And not in not in like the traditional way. Well, not not traditional way, but like in the contemporary way of like, oh, uh, three months out of whatever the new Iron Man movie. This I'm making this up. Um, Hot launch. Three here. months three months ahead of the new Iron Man movie, you can buy Tony Stark's fucking tie clip or whatever, yeah. right? Like it wasn't done as part of. Oh, we know everybody's gonna fucking go nuts for this. We and we know they're gonna want it. It was done in response. Yeah. Which I mean, frankly, is probably how you should do this stuff. But there's money to be made, so uh, gotta print that cash. Hashtag capitalist hellscape. Um, <laughs> but so it was like the aesthetic was so iconic that people wanted to adopt it, um, and it, in a way that I don't think we've seen a lot of since. Yeah. Oh. Nothing that's quite on the front end of developing that culture. It's yeah, more totally. responsive. Um, do you have favorite characters? Who are your favorite characters in uh, any of the Matrix? Anything? Uh, I mean, Smith is probably one of my favorite characters of all time. Elrond. Steph? 
No. Look, I'm not going. This I'm going. I'm going for it. <laughs> you are one strike away from being asked to leave the episode. <laughs> the pop, the pop culture connoisseurs in the audience will recognize Agent Smith as the voice of Megatron. Thank wow! You very wow! Much. Oh. <laughs> you just you just went to nerd school. Uh, I'm crawling under the um, table now. I'm just kidding. He is also Alrond, and Yay. he's fucking great. He had a great fucking period at yeah, that man. point. Yes, late did. 90s, because, early 2000s. Because he did Agent Smith, but then also. Uh, the year that the Matrix sequels came out was also the year the the Lord of the Rings sequels came out. Yep. Yeah. So you just could not escape the man. Hugo Weaving like, was everywhere. Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving was <laughs> everywhere, and he was exceptional. Yeah. He's yeah, good at everything, um, and he's good as everything. Like he could, he's so versatile. But I love the character of Agent Smith because in the first film, he's very much just he's like kind of like the like just the archetype of an arch nemesis. He is like Neo's opposite. He is a, an agent of the system. He's there to uphold the rules of the world. And then at the end of The Matrix, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this 20-year-old iconic piece of film. Um, I've seen gets, it! Not you, I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about you. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the end of the film, uh, he's killed by Neo. And you're like, yay, bad guy dies. And then in the sequels, uh, Reloaded and Revolutions, um, Smith becomes a virus in the Matrix. What? Where basically the, the rules of the world are that when... So Smith is an, uh, an agent of the system, which means he's a program. Mm -hmm. He operates as part of the simulation. And so when you basically outlive your usefulness, you're supposed to re basically... Report to recycling, essentially. Okay. Like your time is done, go you, off you go. Yeah, like you get dragged we, with a little trash. Like voluntarily go behind the shed. You you know like you're you know like very. Why are we sad about that? He's a computer program. <laughs> I don't know, I get sad about shed. lamps in commercials. That's okay. true. I was literally about to bring that up. Um, <laughs> um, like and so instead of reporting, he basically, he says, I felt compelled to disobey. <gasps> and so he doesn't. And as a result, basically becomes this virus in the system that can duplicate himself by imprinting himself on other uh people in the system. Sick. So he can basically copy paste himself over top of other people. Oh my gosh. And multiplies throughout the system with the ultimate goal of destroying it. Because now that he's outside the system, he sees it for he what mad. it is. He, he mad, mad system daddy. Yeah. Um, and so he become like he just becomes this interesting kind of renegade force. Um, and he's so compelling, both in terms of the way that he's written, but also just because of Hugo Weaving's performance. Like, it's this interesting evolution of the performance from the first one that's just different enough that you're like, oh, no, dude's fucked up now. But also, like, is so very clearly still him. And by the end of the third film, you're just like, wow, the journey that we've taken to get this guy here. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's it's a it's a film series full of fucking iconic characters. It's so difficult to narrow it down. I'm gonna leave it at Agent Smith now because I could probably talk for hours about each individual character. As a person who does not know stuff, um, what's what's the deal with the two twins that are like the albino twins? In Reloaded. 
Sure. Yes, that's in Reloaded. Yes, yes, yes. in Reloaded. Um, I'm curious how you know that there are albino twins the, in Reloaded if you've the never internet. seen it. The okay. internet because tells the internet. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're basically, they're just basically uh, programs that work for one of the characters in the in the Sick. second film. So I actually have a question about the, the um, sequels. That's the word. Um, because I know that like some people have... Uh, they're amazing. Thank you for asking. Okay, yep. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what I was going to ask, because I, I know a lot of people feel mixed things, not just because of the stories, but be also because the aesthetic changed in some ways. Like, it's yep. so much more VFX heavy than the original, which did all so much of the bullet time stuff in uh, sort of practical effects. Yeah. What are your feelings on the sequel versus the original? Or is there no verses and they are all uh, amazing? They, so, complicated answer. First answer, they are all amazing. Okay. Second part to that, though, is that people did not give them a fair shake when they first came out. Right. Um, people remember them as being bad because they were different. And the first one's so good. The first one is perfect. I dare you to find a fault in the first film. Challenge accepted. Literally, though. Like, it is such a... Anyway. Um, the sequels... So the, the, the trilogy altogether tells a very specific story but each discrete film is its own thing tonally and in its execution. And people were so hyped on the success of the first film that when they went to the theaters to see Reloaded, they all just wanted more of the first film. Mm -hmm. mm, right, yeah, of and course. And it's not that at all. Which is, um, it's so funny because so many, so much of the time when sequels come out and they are just the first film again, people are like, well, that was just the first film again. Yes. Yeah. And then when they're not, people are mad. Yes. This is people. Um, people are people. Because so, and it's, it, it's interesting because they do kind of shift, they shift genres a little bit through mm. each film. Because the first film is very much like a gun foo, like firearm action movie. And then the second film is way more of a kung fu film. Yeah, totally. Way more of a kung fu film. That car chase is and amazing. The the car chase is incredible. They built a, a several mile stretch of highway in the desert. What? To shoot that sequence. Oh, cool. That's all practical. Those cars are all hired drivers. It's fucking bananas. Seriously? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Um, and then uh, the third film is basically a post apocalypse war movie. Right. So like. They all have their own tone. They all have their own kind of like visual language even while all still being part of the greater whole of what is the Matrix. Um, but at the time, people just were like, well, this isn't the thing that I wanted. This yeah. is the, It's like somebody brings you a really nice steak, but you ordered lobster. you know, lobster and you're like, I don't care that I like steak. That's not what I ordered. Sort Beside of thing. the point. And yeah. so they didn't give it a chance. And so as a result, people kind of remember these films as as worse. But I've had friends recently like revisit the films in, being hyped for Resurrections coming out in a couple weeks. And they're like, oh yeah, actually those were way better than I expected. Like I still have some quibbles with them and stuff like that, but like I was not actually expecting to enjoy them as much as I did. Um, and I think that's I think that's not uncommon when you like revisit things separated from like the hype of them mm -hmm, yeah. uh, in general. Um, but like the 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 second film, there's not as much CG as there is in the third film, 
they all, I mean, they all have CG in them to quite a decent extent, but like the action, the, the human action in the first two, which is the prominent level of action in those two films, uh, is all practical. It's all wire foo, like uh, practical stunts and stuff like that. I think what people are responding to by the time you get to the third one, because it is basically a post-apocalypse war movie and you have like men in mech suits right. and like the squids are now not just like looming threats. They are uh, armies of them and stuff like that. People are like, oh, this has devolved into just like CG bullet fest stuff. Right. But you have to take into consideration at the time that was new. It was new that that was possible. Yeah. Right? Like, if you were to do that now, pe people are like, oh, this is a very stereotypical Marvel third act. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. But at the time, the fact that you could do hundreds of these uh, Sentinel models on screen while you had dozens of men in, like, you know, 20-foot mechanized suits and stuff like that, do it all in wide shots and have it all look as good as it still to this day looks, frankly. Yeah. Um, because they were all very smartly designed to do what CG was good at at the time, which, which was hard surfaces. Shiny, lots shiny, of Shiny, hard surfaces. Yeah, yeah. They weren't doing... Uh, they weren't experimenting with like trying to do CG actors and stuff like that yet. It was still too early. Right. So they stuck to what worked, which is why those films stand up as well as, or hold up as well as they do uh, in terms of like the quality of their CG. Um, but I think they have a bad rap because people haven't revisited them in a long time, ultimately. Right, yeah. That makes sense. That time period in film is wild. The amount of stuff that was coming out, like, obviously, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd, and just you talking about Which the Which still Matrix. looks amazing. Yep. Still looks amazing. Absolutely. I'm sure the Matrix does, too, where you're just like, oh, yeah, sorry, microphone. Um, it just looks stunning and was blowing everyone's minds when it came out. Well, they were coming up with so much new technology to make that. Like, I know at well, least and Lord of the like, Rings. The, the thing that people forget, too, that is, like, remarkable is that all three of those films are rated R. What? Oh, they are? Yeah. All three of them. All three of them. It is a rated R blockbuster trilogy. Holy crap. The Matrix Reloaded held the title for highest opening weekend box office for a rated R film until Deadpool. Oh my, okay, sorry. Wow. I just need to stare into the corner of this room for a while while I sort that information into my brain. <laughs> Holy crap. What? I don't, I don't understand why any of those would be even considered rated R by today's standards. Blood and sex. Because uh. <laughs> those are horny movies, buddy. Yeah, they are like, horny movies. Yeah, that, You may not remember true. that, but I there's don't... a whole fucking sequence in Matrix Reloaded that is basically like a dance party in a cave with like topless women and like people like dry humping. Well, in another room, uh, Neo and Trinity fuck. Yeah, I do actually remember like, that part very clearly. I'm gonna watch <laughs> not, that not movie that now. <laughs> like they're ho they're horny fucking movies. That's true. Like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Now. And there's also a lot of like very visceral violence, oh, like yeah. people being fucking impaled and shit. Like yeah. I feel like that's pretty. That's so common now, though. Like I feel yeah. fairly desensitized. To but that, there's like, also a level violence. of sanitization to that violence yeah. now. Whereas now, like something goes, like something, like Wash gets impaled, right? And it's just kind of like very PG, like I'm a leaf on the wind. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> 
Like, people get impaled in the Matrix and fucking blood splatters the windshield. Like, yeah, that's they true. do not pull punches. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I, I have a question for you. Uh, obviously, most people who know anything about the Matrix, and even if you don't, you've probably at least heard the red pill, blue pill thing, the iconic notion of uh, Morpheus offering the either the... Uh, Escape from the Matrix, which, which is, is which red, pill, red pill, okay. uh, or stay in the Matrix, blue pill. Um, if you were given this choice, what would you do? Red pill all day. Red pill all day. All day. Even though it's like a uh, gross hellscape. Kaya, I transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> You've been through the hellscape. Yeah. I chose the hellscape. I literally <laughs> took pills to volunteer to enter the hellscape. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that, but I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, so actually, while we're on that subject, uh, let's talk about that, because I know that there's a lot of interpretations of this movie, and many of those interpretations came out and were established prior to the Wachowskis coming out, but then once that happened, it became very clear that this was designed as a trans metaphor. Like, well, yeah, what what does it mean to you? What what does this metaphor I, when I first When I first heard the idea of The Matrix as a trans allegory, I was like, oh, yeah, no, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, I actually read kind of the essay uh, that was originally written of kind of that interpretation, and I was like, this all makes so much sense. But, I mean, as we all know, like, it's very easy to insert yourself into mm -hmm. pop culture. Absolutely. And to see stuff and be like, oh, that's just, like, X. Uh, but, like, Lily Wachowski has gone on record to state that that was always their intention. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, The you remember the character Switch? Yes. Super butchy, yes. like in all white, super hot. Um, <laughs> Just as a side note, super hot. <laughs> in the original, uh, in the original script for The Matrix, Switch was trans. That makes oh. that name make a lot more sense. <laughs> Basically the idea was that in the matrix, that Neo would meet Switch in the Matrix as the the woman that we see in the film, white hair, white outfit, uh -huh. whatever. And then when he met the crew on the Nebuchadnezzar in the quote unquote real world, that character would seemingly be absent, but there would be a different masculine person on the crew that would be Switch's real world counterpart because they establish in the Matrix that the person that you present in the Matrix is who you see yourself in as. Oh. It's called a residual self-image. It's your interpretation of yourself. That's so cool. And so Warner Brothers was like, uh, it's 1999. Uh, no. <laughs> as you know, this will not be an acceptable conversation we... topic until uh, at least 2018. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, uh, careful. Uh, yeah, uh, so basically it got, it got thrown out. Uh, unfortunately. Oh, that But that sucks. was part of the original intent That's for the amazing. film. That's amazing. I could have used that at the time. Right? <laughs> Holy shit. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to stare at a different corner and <laughs> sort that information out of my head now. <laughs> there is no spoon. Uh, <laughs> um, man, that's so cool. And it's so interesting because it's like so much of the culture on the Matrix, uh, I mean, there's different different cultures around the Matrix, but so much of it is there, there is this like segment of it that's this kind of like toxic bro culture that doesn't at all fit in what was intended for this yeah. 
this yeah, movie They probably at think all. Agent Smith is like such a badass and that first movie, what a cool guy. And it's like, no, that's not the message you should take from this. <laughs> but also he kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> but in it for a different reason. Yes. I think than a lot of people. Yeah. It's like the Scarface, it's the like. He's compelling, he's not aspirational. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. You know, people seem to have trouble with the difference between <laughs> those two things, but that's a different episode. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Ashley, how would you feel about us throwing some hot takes your way? Let's do it. So Let's what we've do done it. is we've gone uh, and sourced some hot takes from the internet, the internet, uh, that heaping trash pile of hot takes uh, on every piece of everything. Sometimes there's treasure. Sometimes there's treasure. Um, so we've gone and sourced these, and we just want to hear uh, your hot take on these hot takes. So Let's do it. I will start with, uh, when Cypher says, if you told us the truth, we would have told you to shove that red pill right up your ass. He was totally right. Morpheus lied to them. That's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that's not even a little bit true. Okay, Did why you, not? In the movie. <laughs> I don't know who you are. But, um, this this did come, I believe, from, from Reddit. So a, a real human did feel this. Uh, feel yeah, this these way. are all based, real humans have said these things. Morpheus's pitch to Neo includes sharing the entire thing. Like we see on the fucking TV what the post-apocalypse looks like and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. They Oh, yeah, that that like, absolutely dismantles that theory, doesn't it? <laughs> but the, there is a difference between seeing it and knowing it. Okay, like, you but, can see a picture and be like, yes, that's what Bermuda looks like. But then you get to Bermuda, and it's going to be different because you're experiencing it as opposed to just seeing it and perceiving it. I will agree with that, but I will say that what you just said is different than lying. Mm -hmm. That's true. That is true. Oh, oh. semantics, baby. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, let's throw another one at you. Um, this is this one comes from Maddox Campbell on Facebook, um, and uh, he would like to posit that the Matrix makes no sense from the perspective of conservation of energy and thermodynamics, but it could have made sense were the human brains used for abstract processing. My response to that is that it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if like if you if you break down most of if not all popular sci-fi universes, none of them make sense from yeah. a practical perspective. Absolutely, like at all, like that's not the point, really. Yeah. So, but I, also, I will say even a step further, I don't think the machines using humans as batteries is about efficiency. I think it's about revenge, like. Ooh. In the Animatrix, which is the animated anthology that they released around the time name. of the prequels. Such a great fucking it's name. Such really a great good. name. So cheese. Just the right amount of cheese. Just yeah. delicious. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a two-part story in that anthology that tells the origin of the war between the humans and the machines. Mm -hmm. And it's not pretty. And it's visceral. And it's shitty. And it's bad. And it's post-apocalyptic shit. Um... Like I don't think I don't think the machines are like, well, we've got all these humans laying around. What's the most efficient way to use them? I think it's very Conan the Barbarian levels of like, right. you know, like pillage the village and and listen to the lam lamentations yeah. of the villagers. You know what I mean? Like, except the robot version. Yeah, like yeah. we've conquered the humans. Now we put them to work. Like, yes. I don't think it's about like, oh, what's the most efficient way to keep ourselves alive? You know what I mean? Like. 
humans came up with cheese. Like, you know, like <laughs> that is not the most efficient way to run a human body. Like, <laughs> but it sure is delicious. <laughs> I never thought that cheese would come up in a discussion about the Matrix, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are in a brave new world. All right. Uh, uh, this next one comes directly from Quentin Tarantino. Uh, the Matrix sequels ruined the mythology of the first film for him. Fuck that guy. <laughs> You hear that, Quentin Tarantino? Quentin Tarantino, Actually, we know you're you. listening. We know you love we our podcast, it. and fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot, there's there's a big faction of sci-fi that, like, that uh, is very serious about certain continuities that I don't think necessarily need to exist in fantasy. And but I also don't you know? think that there's anything in the, the sequels that contradicts anything that's in the first film. It just elaborates and expands on it. It's one thing to say like, oh, it, you know, if the war was over tomorrow, Zion is where the party would be. It's one thing to say the city of Zion exists and is the last bastion of humanity. It's another thing to actually get to visit it and see what it looks like and to have, basically, it's the idea that like, you offer these things in abstract and it's like the Star Wars thing, right? Like, when I fought with your father in the Clone Wars, right? And right. You're, you're like, ooh, what are the Clone Wars? And you have this idea in your head that you build up yes. of like, I know what the Clone Wars are because right. I'm a huge fan of this movie and I this is my idea in my headspace, my canon. Yeah. But then, of course, a few years, uh, several years later, they make a movie about the Clone Wars, they make a TV series about the Clone Wars, and it's not your thing anymore. It's a different thing. And you can decide to take it or reject it. Um, and then in the sequels of The Matrix, like, we're actually going to Zion. We're seeing how, Zion, like, those citizens live. We're seeing what real life is like for the, the crew and stuff like that when they're not on their ship. Um, but I don't think there's anything inherently in those films that contradicts the canon of the first one. It just expands. I think it's just, if you're, if you're, a, if you're not a fan of the sequels, you go, oh, well, they ruined it. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's ultimately what the. I think that's the point he's trying to make. Yeah. Uh, but he's also wrong because the sequels are great. Yeah. <laughs> Once more, fuck you, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And and also for, in Quentin's defense, um, only on this subject, uh, uh, he did mention that like the original Matrix remains one of his top films of all time, and that as like, well it should be. As well it should be, and that like mo so many of his movies are influenced by it, and that like Kill Bill and all of these other things wouldn't exist without it. So. Uh, which was our next hot take. Yeah. Which uh, is just uh, movies like Kill Bill, Minority Report, Inception, and any Christopher Nolan film wouldn't exist without The Matrix. Probably not. That, that one's an easy one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we agree. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I like this one. I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, this is not so much about The Matrix, but about Keanu Reeves. Uh, who, uh, this hot take is Keanu Reeves is a hero and a gentleman, one of the coolest guys in Hollywood, hands down. That is not a hot take. It's not a hot take. It's just a fact. It is a, a fact. That Ken, is just a Ken science. Reeves is a gem of a human being. Uh, he, is the, he is my last bastion of hope for humanity. Truly. Like, every, every, everybody else, I'm like, it's, it's not safe enough to have heroes anymore. Yeah. After, like, the last several years of learning, like, what <laughs> most people are like. Uh, but I'm still just like, but Keanu. Keanu's got Keanu. me. Yeah, good like, Canadian boy. Good Canadian boy. He did a lot of his own stunts, right? Was Not that only did on he Matrix do all or? of his own stunts. All of them? Uh, all he of them. also uh, basically used his salary on Matrix Reloaded to, oh, what was it? Wasn't that to like 
compensate other people. The, the stunt their- the stunt team or like he either bought them stuff or just d- divvied up his paycheck to like the stunt crews to like give them yeah. like a better payday basically. Oh my god! Like there's there's videos of Keanu lugging uh, gear, not on the Matrix on a more recent project, uh, but lugging gear up a, a flight of stairs. And union crews trying to stop to him be like, because he's not, he's not allowed, allowed to do, to do it. Yeah. Like he's just the most wholesome fucking man. Probably that um, whole time they're like, "Kenu, you have to stop. Like legally, you can't." He's like, "No, no, no, it's fine. I'm really fine with it. No, please, I, yeah. I just want to help you." Yeah. They're like, "Kenu, you, you can't." And he's like, "No, no, no, I won't tell." Shh. <laughs> I love that man. Secretly helpful. Secretly, <laughs> just the greatest human. Uh, protect him at all costs. You hear that, world? Protect Kenu. Uh, what's your hottest take on the Matrix? My hottest take on the Matrix is that it was the most ambitious uh, film series of the early 21st century. Because um, not only does it have a trilogy of films, it also had an animated anthology, and hands down to this day, the most ambitious video game spinoff of all time. Is that Resurrections? It is Enter the Matrix. Enter the Matrix. It came out on GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. And basically, it is a parallel story to The Matrix Reloaded. It tells the events of that film. And I think of also Revolutions? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's been a while since I've played it. Um, But basically, it tells you the story of Captain Niobe and Ghost, who who are supporting characters in the sequels. But those are the characters that you play as in Enter the Matrix. Mm. And it tells the story from their perspective. But it goes one step further. It's not only written and directed by the Wachowskis. Cool. The cutscenes are live action, <gasps> shot with the actors what? on the sets cool. from the film. What? Cool, cool, cool. Almost an hour of live action film production dedicated to the games shot at the same time as the sequels. What? That's so cool. Literally never been done before or since. Damn. I mean, it makes sense because like, I can't think of a IP that is more quintessentially designed for a video game. The Wachowskis have always seen video games as a respected storytelling medium. Which In a way that a lot of people took a lot more time to catch up to. So the End of the Matrix was a huge hit, uh, not critically necessarily, uh, but commercially. And one of the big criticisms, not big criticisms, but one of the big things people were missing from it was like, oh, we really wanted to play as Neo. So another game came out a little while later called Path of Neo that retells the entire trilogy, for, like where you get to play Neo's story, right. basically. Um, and then after that, after Revelations came out, or Revolution, sorry, uh, came out and uh, basically the, the the trilogy had quote-unquote finished, um, they made The Matrix Online, which was made during kind of like the big boom of MMORPGs. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. So basically you became... The, the idea of the game was you are one of the characters that has been uh, unplugged from The Matrix uh, at the, after the end of Revolutions during kind of what's considered to be the cold war between the humans and the machines. And you get to, you basically get to traverse the mega city, which is the city that the, the film, the films take place in. 
um, and go on missions and do all this kind of stuff. But it was intended to be, originally it was intended to be the canon continuation of those stories because they never thought they were going to make another film again. Wow. And so Lawrence Fishburne reprised his role as Morpheus. What? Uh, one of the first major storylines was Morpheus's assassination. Um, it was really ambitious, did not get the traction of like a World of Warcraft or a Final Fantasy XI or right. any of those things. And so it only lasted, I want to say, maybe two whole years. Uh, like it, in terms of like MMO lifespan, very, very short lived. Because they're really expensive to run. They're too, extremely right? expensive to run and to maintain and to like to build. And I think ultimately, like, it was a very fun game to play. I was, I, it was one of the first. MMOs that ever really like caught my attention and kept me playing because they did a really good job of like building out the the fight mechanics and stuff of not just cool. being like click 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 like if you play World of Warcraft it's like now I shoot my fireball now I do my defense yep. shield you there's know like, like a, there's a very yeah, yeah but because it's all like the combat is all kung fu based there's almost like a rock paper scissors sort of uh, mechanic to it so like. If you if you defend low, but then they end up attacking high, they get to hit. If you defend oh, high and they attack high, cool. you block it. Like Sick. it's really really cool. Um, so it was actually really fun too. to play. But when you have like World of Warcraft, where you can be like an orc or a human, and you go and fight big cool monsters, and like the all the different biomes are all really interesting, and like it's just art designed out the fucking ass. And then you're like, or you could go to the Matrix, where everybody's in dusters and everything's got kind of a green tinge to it, and you fight other people, like all the enemies look like other people. Right. Like it didn't have kind of the aesthetic and visual um, variety that people were used to in an MMO setting. Right, and so it, sense, yeah. comparatively, it just kind of looked very samey over and over again. And I think that was a part of why it didn't really catch on beyond kind of the hardcore Matrix fan base. Right. Um, but it's it's a it's a story that's been told throughout multiple mediums the entire time it's existed in a way that like even now like for the most part like isn't being done to that level like you'll get like The Witcher will get a spinoff anime or like you know Blade Runner got a, a a cartoon miniseries like stuff like that happens but not to think of it like as a holistic multimedia you know multiple branches yeah right 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 um, I have a question for you if you uh, got control over this franchise. Is there anything you would change or add? Ooh, I mean, that's that has more recently. That's recently become a more difficult question to answer because Matrix Resurrections comes out, uh, which I assume you are very excited for. I have tickets for opening night. Baby. Oh, <laughs> I'm so excited uh, for all the good gay haircuts. Uh, there are going to be so many gay haircuts. Uh, my favorite. Um, <laughs> So, like, knowing that that's around the corner and not knowing what that movie holds, it's very difficult to, to say, oh, I know what I would do with this series. Uh, because, I mean, if you, had a total, if you had asked me this question two years ago, I probably would have had an answer more ready because it would just have been stagnant for yeah. so long. But knowing that we're so close to, like, the next chapter, it's so difficult for me to, to have a sense of what I would do with it because I, I know enough from the trailers that I have a sense of what the new story is going to be, but I don't know what the next story is going to be. And so it's like, do I consider, like, building off whatever that's going to be or do I, like, pretend that that's not coming? Like, um, But I will say it's built into the canon of The Matrix that the war between uh, humans and machines is cyclical. And that Neo what? himself is 
is it this? I think it's the seventh. He's the seventh, the one. What? Oh, I it's didn't like the catch slayers. that part. Yeah, yeah, this is a, this is part of the the finale of Reloaded. Oh, is man. the revelation basically that like Mio is not the the wholly unique special uh, character that he thinks he is, Whoa. and that this has all happened in some permutation before. So this could perpetually go on forever and ever like and ever. Dr. And yeah, see that like kind of dark tower. You potentially, like, yeah. Circular. And so like there is this cyclical nature to like okay, so like maybe. Like, and, and we don't know, we don't know, like, uh, I'll be curious to see how they tackle this in Resurrections, but like, we don't know if maybe, because at the end of Revelation, Revolutions, Neo sacrifices himself uh, as a bargaining chip for peace and ends the war between man and machine. Mm. But we don't, like, objectively know if that part has ever happened before. Right? That might have happened before. That this might have happened before, might just and it, that's what resets the cycle. We don't know. Oh. So, right? Like, we could be about to find that out. We could be about to find that out. Whoa! Now I really want to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, do we need to get tickets for opening? I mean, night? I want to see the second one, if only for the like. I have the trilogy scene. on 4K and a, <laughs> a very nice new apartment. Oh my god! Oh. Movie night! <laughs> movie night! Movie night! Ah, uh, I love it. I mean, I remember watching them when I was when I was younger, and I would be very happy to watch them again. So they hold up. I oh, remember them exciting. really well. I, so it's also hard for me to watch them with fresh eyes. <laughs> the consummate expert in the room. You know, as soon as he does that back bend, though, I'm gonna scream. I'm gonna be like, "That's the part." I don't That's know if you're thing. gonna scream. I think you're gonna make mouth noises. You know, the wah 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 wah. No, it's changed. I like that it's changed every time you've done it. <laughs> Yo, man, it's cyclical. You Look, know? there I want, is no spoon. I need a I need a supercut of all the times that Steph has done the the bullet time noise. Uh, I hope our wonderful <laughs> editor <laughs> and drive me puts that right here. Whoosh whoosh whoosh. Um, we should probably wrap up because I feel like we could do this forever and ever uh, in a cycle for time and memoriam. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to do our uh, micro-fandoms for the week uh, in just a moment. First, uh, if you are enjoying this right now, which I can't imagine you are not because there's so many good opinions and so many good mouth noises, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about how you can support our show. There are many ways. Um, most of them are free. Um, and they'd all be greatly appreciated. Yeah, so you can reach out, follow us, or send us compliments uh, on Twitter at FandomShowPod. Uh, you can reach out there. You can reach out on uh, Instagram to either Kaya or myself. I'm at Stephanie underscore Malik. And I'm at the Kaya Green, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that is your, that is what you are. I did it. Um, you could, if you have ideas for future episodes or want to catch up on past episodes or just want to say hi, you can visit us at thefandomshow.com. Uh, you can tell all your nerdiest friends about us. Please do. Uh, and please, if you can get on any of your podcast providers, though principally Apple Podcasts, and do a little rate and a little review and subscribe, we would love that. Yeah, even a one-sentence review or a one-word review or anything like that helps us move up in the charts. So you can just go on and, and write anything. You can just write in some mouth noises, whatever <laughs> feels good to you. Um, and that would help us so much to make sure we can reach more people who can hear more, uh, more about awesome fandoms and we can have more fans of fans. And fan fans? Fan fans. Fan fans. 
Fandom fan fans. That is what we will fandom, call you. Fandom. <laughs> fan uh, you can also find us on Patreon, uh, where you can throw some of your hard-earned dollars our way. Uh, for example, for a couple bunks of bucks a month, you can listen to episodes <laughs> early. A couple bunks a monks. Uh, you can listen to episodes early. You can get a shout-out. Or even submit your own hot takes for upcoming episodes. We could say your words using our mouths. You, Yeah. Whether they're words or just noises, we will say them. We could have your opinions confirmed and or dismissed. We are easily bought. Uh, <laughs> uh, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, now, for our micro-fandoms of the week. Ashley, what are you fanning over this week? My cheap answer is The Matrix, because <laughs> I'm going to see a revival screening of the first film t literally tonight, and then I'm just, like, this week pre-sale tickets for Resurrections opened up. I love that that's you were a singular entity such, made that's, such a, that's a cheap answer, but uh, a real answer I will say is Halo. Oh. Uh, the new Halo game recently came out, and to my sheer delight, it is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is I good. was. Um, I was, as a matter of fact, surprised. Um, so that has been what I've been doing uh, in the evenings, basically, is playing through the campaign of that, and it's bringing back all the, the wonderful memories of playing the, the first three games. Uh, and so I've been really enjoying revisiting that world recently. Amazing. Kai, what are, you, what are you excited about? Honestly, last week we started watching Succession because I had so many oh, of my TV nerd Succession. friends had started watching it, and they kept talking about it, and I was like, oh, i got to get ahead of this because otherwise I'm going to get something spoiled for me. So we started watching it, and damn it, they were right. Damn yeah. it. It's so good. good. It's yeah. so good. Um, and I'm not, like, upset about it, but I am the really The never heard really of Succession up. to bullying people to watch Succession Pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, it's a short-ass pipeline. <laughs> it's like, it's just a circle of pipe. <laughs> um, it's a very, very good show. It's so dynamic. And like, man, you just hate and love all of the characters so much. And that's such a uniquely difficult thing to do where yep. you're, you e equal parts want to give them a hug because they are destroyed human beings and just punch them right through a glass window. <laughs> um, I'm not a violent person. Anyway, uh, the, yeah, it, Great show. Um, that's my very hot take. Succession is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steph, what are you micro-fanning about? You're going to hear about this many times if you listen to uh, this podcast. BTS <laughs> have announced that they're going on vacation, but within 24 hours of that, they all got Instagram. And some of them are very good at Instagram. Some of them, uh, J-Hope is doing a whole photography thing. RM is doing a whole, like, I'm going to museums and I'm a smart guy. And then some of them cannot figure out Instagram. And it is so fun to watch just billionaires, like talented, young, gorgeous billionaires, be idiotic at a thing that we all know how to do. But it's so fun for me. Um, billionaires, they're just like us. Billionaires, they're just like us. I they... feel like our household has a theme right now. <laughs> rich, rich people, they're dumb and fun, right? <laughs> We're better than them in some ways, but only some. Um, yeah, so I've just been enjoying BTS's stupid, stupid Instagram. You've been enjoying it a lot, so much so that uh, if you don't know this, listeners, uh, Steph and I are real-life partners, and I get wake woken up every morning by being shown the most recent shitty posts <laughs> from very... V got drunk off of one glass of whiskey, posted a bunch of selfies, deleted them quickly. The internet found them and kept them. Beautiful. It's, the internet um, finds everything. 
Yeah. Don't try and hide things from the internet. It will not work. Speaking of not hiding from the internet, actually, Cooper, where can we find you? <laughs> I am entirely too often on Twitter as <laughs> at Ashley Versus. Wonderful. Excellent. Anything you want to plug while we have you here? Uh, my new game just got announced, Warhammer 40K Space Hell Marine yeah. 2. Uh, sequel to the 10-year-old uh, beloved uh, Space Marine game. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, it's not coming out for a while, but we're very excited to share more when we can. Oh, wonderful. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights on this. Uh, maybe we'll just have to add a Matrix Resurrections episode down the road. And I'll like, watch it. Wait, Resurrections? Is that the new one? The new one is Resurrections. Okay, that's the new one. Uh, What was it? Never mind. Um, Maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for listening. Uh, Until next time, love the things you love and tell everyone about them. Yay! Bye! Bye! No, Steph. (laughs) The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as webcomics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.